Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Well, there aren't notes today. Today is more of a listening kind of message, so just listening. We are on a series called Chris Miss. All right, on three, you're going to all try that. All right, one, two, three. Emphasis on Christ. Let's put our eyes on Jesus this Christmas season. Week one, we talked about Jesus as a mighty Savior. Week two, we talked about Jesus as a glorious deliverer. And today, we're going to talk about Jesus as our mighty healer. Does anybody in the house believe that Jesus is a healer? You know, all you have to do is open your Bible and turn to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books that contain the earthly ministry of Jesus. And very quickly, you're going to see that when he ran across people who were sick or diseased, what did Jesus do? Yeah, he healed them because he is a healer. He revealed himself in the Old Testament as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. This scripture tells us some things. I want to read it, and then we'll talk about it. When evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. This was what was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. So the question is, when did Jesus take upon himself our infirmities and our diseases? I heard somebody say it, on the cross. So not only did Jesus die for our sins, But if he carried up our sicknesses, he took it upon himself. It reveals his heart, and that is as a healer. Now listen, you can go to some churches, and if you were to ask them, hey, I'm sick, does Jesus heal? They would say, well, he really doesn't do that anymore because since we have the complete Bible, there's really no need for God to do that anymore. All right, let me me help you this morning. I have read the Bible completely, and he is the healer from the beginning to the end. And nowhere, anywhere will you ever find a scripture that God says, sorry guys, now that you have the whole Bible, I don't do that anymore. He is the same. Help me somebody. Yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Aren't you glad this morning? Is anybody glad that Jesus still heals diseases? Amen. So number one, we're going to talk about this briefly and then a little bit more. We're going to talk about how Jesus heals sickness and disease and emotional pain a little bit more on the second one. But let's talk about this for a moment. I want to cover some points. Okay, number one, do I have it all figured out why some people get healed while they are here on earth and others find their healing in heaven? No. Do you have it figured out? Do some of the great healing evangelists have it figured out? No, there's a bit of mystery in healing, but this I know. I know that God heals. And I also know that the right thing for us to do is to look to Jesus as our healer. Amen? Hey, if you're in need of healing and there's a Jesus who heals, isn't it reasonable to say, Jesus, I'm looking to you? I'm grateful for the many promises in the Bible. I'm grateful for believers who stand on those. As my wife, over the last year, went through her battle with cancer, this was a verse that was near and dear to her that she held on to. She said, I will not not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. And she is still here to proclaim what the Lord has done. He's a healer. Can somebody say amen? 
Do I believe that when someone is not healed, it's because they don't have enough faith? No. I believe faith is involved in healing. God wants you to reach out to him. But I have seen people with tremendous faith that went home to be with the Lord. My deceived wife was one of them. She was believing. She had a church full of people, thousands of people. And for God's reasons, he chose to took her home. Now, I heard a pastor say that Christians die because they want to die. In other words, the only reason that a Christian were to die is because they would say, Lord, I want to go home. I don't believe that for a second. I believe that God has some say in that, that our days are numbered according to the Lord. Come on, somebody. Uh, otherwise, you'd live to be 156. Or maybe go tomorrow. I don't know. All right? Okay, listen, next one. Do you think that we bring some sickness and disease on ourselves because we don't take care of our bodies? Yeah, try eating McDonald's cheeseburgers morning, noon, and night for the last five years and see what that does for the longevity of your life, all right? Uh, I believe God has called our bodies temples and that we are to do, we are to take care of them. Amen? Do really healthy people get sick? Yeah, but I also believe there's much to be said about people who take care of their bodies, all right? Last one. If a group of people get really hungry for God and God begins to move, do you think they will see more healings? I believe church history has proven that, that where God begins to move, there's an increase in people getting saved and there's an increase in people getting healed. That's one of the reasons why I want to start 2023 with a week of prayer. Lord, turn up your burner that we might see more people come to know you and we might see more manifestations of your glory in our midst. If you're game for that, just put your hands together and say, yes, Lord, do it. Amen? Now, normally we pray for the sick during worship, but today, since I'm talking about it, at the end of the service, if you need a physical touch, we're gonna have people here to pray for you, and I believe God can do it, amen? Secondly, I'm gonna slow down for this one a little bit more. Jesus heals emotional pain. Isaiah 61.1 says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me, and this is a, a verse about Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Question, are there a lot of people in our world whose heart has been broken by just things that have happened in their life? To proclaim freedom for the captives. Are there a lot of people who are captive to the memories that they've had and the things that they've gone through? Say yes. And release from darkness, people with a lot of darkness in their lives, that God is able to release them. Listen, we have many powerful testimonies of emotional healing in our midst. And just out of curiosity, how many of you in the house today would say, God has done some emotional healing in my life. There's some things that happen. Just wave that hand at me. Amen. So many hands, so many hands in the first service. So let me make some points, and I will post these on the screen, concerning emotional and emotional healing. First of all, God made our emotions. Do you know why you have emotions? Because God made you in his image, and God has emotions. You ever read the Bible where God was angry? You ever read the Bible where God was pleased? You ever read Jesus wept? Yeah, God made us emotional people because he's an emotional God. And I say that, I think, because sometimes in Christian circle, we almost act like emotions are sinful. Emotions aren't sinful. Emotions are emotions that God has given to us. Amen. Anybody get glad you're going to be able to have the joy of Christmas morning with your family, watching them? Aren't, aren't you glad you're not emotionless, that you can feel things? Anybody glad that you can feel God in the house? Aren't you glad for emotions, all right? 
Number two, many Christians repress their emotions. And what I mean by that is, we all know we're supposed to love people and treat people, right? So sometimes we feel very strong emotions of what we'd like to do. We're like, get back in there. I can't say that. I can't do that. I wouldn't be a good Christian. And I realize there are all times when we have to make a choice how we're going to treat people. But if you're constantly somebody that has a lot of emotions that are stirred up and you're constantly pushing them back in there, you know what happens over a period of time? Say what, Pastor? All right, you become passive aggressive. And what that means is you don't get angry. You just use sarcasm. You just make a smart statement and walk away. You make a look that is to kill. And if you get pushed hard enough, then comes the freight train. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, is pastor talking about you this morning? Right? How many of you can handle all the truth this morning? All right, listen to me. You can be a Christian a long time, know a lot of scriptures, not have a lot of big sins in your life, and still not be very emotionally mature because you've got some undealt with. Man, it's quiet in here. I'm I'm, going to try that again. Listen, you can be a Christian a long time, love Jesus, know scripture, come to church, not be involved in, you know, you don't have big sins in your life, but yet still have not dealt with some very deep-seated things that keep you from becoming emotionally mature. Anybody still listen this morning? All right, amen. Now, that being said, I want to I just mention this this morning. I'm going to be taking a small group of people through the course, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's going to begin the second Thursday in February. It's going to go for eight consecutive Thursdays from seven to nine And this course is meant to help us process through the journey of becoming more emotionally mature. There's a book involved. There's a devotional involved. We'll we'll meet together. We'll meet in small groups within that Thursday night setting to talk about things. I'm only going to take about 35 people through the first time. This is like a pilot course. If all goes well, as well as I think it's going to, we'll open it up for more. Um, If I've already invited you and you said yes, you don't need to sign up. But I have 20 spots available, first come, first serve, sign up after service, all right? One of the ways you know that a person is moving towards spiritual maturity is what happens when they're squeezed, okay? Go home, take an orange, cut a hole in it, and squeeze as hard as you can. You won't get lemon juice because that orange is an orange. So so if we're really as Christ-like as we think we are or we say we are, the evidence is when you're squeezed, out should come Jesus. Oh, oh, it's quiet here. All right, I'm going to have fun this morning. Amen? Right? Am I telling you the truth? Right? If you're full of Jesus and you're squeezed, out comes Yeah, the evidence that there's still some things to work through is what happens when you're squeezed and something else comes out. Ephesians 4, 31 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I wish this would be as easy as saying to you at the end of service, how many need to get rid of some of these things? All right, get down here. All right, on the count of three, 
Those of you with bitterness, get rid of it. On the count of three, those of you with rage, get rid of it. Did you do it? All right, go back to your seat. It's all over. Actually, if you look up the word get rid of in the, in the Greek, I was curious about that. You know, why would he tell us to get It's just not that easy. It literally means to take up or take away. So the question is, who's taking it up and who's taking it away? Somebody say the Lord. Yeah, so, so get, get, in other words, you know, get to a point where you're allowing God to help you. All right. One of the ways you can do that is understanding you can be honest with Jesus about how you feel. How many believe our God has big shoulders? And how many know he already knows how you feel? I'm not angry, God. I'm joyful. <laughs> he already knows. All right? It's interesting when you read the Psalms. Now, there are Psalms whereas the person writing the Psalm, most of them are David, but not all, is brutally honest about what they're going through. And they're, who are the Psalms written to? They're songs written to God, all right? Um, these are not Psalms that we would normally, on a Sunday morning, say, well, let me read you this Psalm before we worship. Here's an example, all right? Okay, so you all come in on Sunday morning and the worship leader, Wayne's ready to go. Say, I wanna read this verse here just to encourage us before we worship. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Let's stand up and give God. All right, how many know the psalmist is just being honest about what they're going through? But notice the next verse. Then, everybody say then. Then I called on the name of the Lord. So, so, so this person is feeling these things, but where are they taking them? Where are they looking to for some help? They're looking to the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. He protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Can I tell you one of the great needs of this hour is for Christians to sit with Jesus and give Jesus the opportunity to minister to them in the midst. How do you know this is a fast-paced world and a crazy world? And all of those things are formulas for a bottleneck of emotions that are, that are, that are wavering. And you go on long enough, you blow up. Sit with Jesus. Get still before him. Be honest about what you're feeling and give God a chance to reach down and do some work. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Okay, be honest for a moment. How many have a hard time waiting for anything? It's the day we live in. We got microwaves, we got fast drive-throughs, everything's in a hurry, right? If, you're, if you can't buy something on Amazon in less than 30 seconds, something's wrong. But God says, wait. Why? Because there's some things that take some time to process and we gotta get before God. Think of this for a moment. If we would take it to God, you would not have to take it out on man. Think about that. If you'd empty it out to, on God, he could fill you with something better. Number four, emotions can reveal emotional baggage. Someone who is depressed, 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 at some point I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, what's behind that? There's got to be something deeper that, that's driving that. Someone who's angry, angry, angry. What, what, what's behind that? There's got to be something deeper. Everybody with me? You understand? Emotions sometimes reveal there's, there's something deeper. When you're constantly dealing with negative emotions, 
Perhaps there's because there's something down deeper inside of you that's negative that God needs to heal. Someone who struggles with identity issues, I don't feel important, I don't feel loved. What was missing when their identity uh, was being formed? The book that we're going to go through together in the course is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, the author of the book was a pastor of a very successful church, and his church was growing fast, and he felt like he needed to do everything, and he was involved, and even when he was home, he wasn't home, he was thinking about things, and finally it came to his head when his wife looked at him one day and says, I don't want to go to your church anymore. Your leadership is not worth following. And the pastor just realized that he was broken, and he needed help to get fixed. And so he went on a journey of dealing with what was broken inside of him. He wrote a book about it. He developed a course. And his heart now is that others would take that same journey without reaching that point that he reached. Amen? Think about the things that happen in our lives that affect our emotions and can lead to emotional baggage. How about an absent father or no father at all can produce a father wound? And now you have somebody that's looking for relationships to fill what their father didn't fill. How many are you glad for a father in heaven who can bring healing to that? How about verbally abusive parents? How many you know the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is something a kid says on a playground and then goes home and cries because it did hurt. You understand? Words can be devastating. Sexual abuse. Few things are as damaging as sexual abuse. Ongoing bullying, kids who grow up and they just can't seem to get away, get away from it. It does its damage. One of the ways you can know if you are carrying emotional baggage is that your reaction goes beyond what is normal. In other words, show me somebody who overreacts to things a lot of times and I'll show you somebody who is probably being triggered to deeper issues. For example... Wife comes to me and says, man, my husband is physically abusive. I mean, you know, we, we get into a little argument. He just, goes, he just goes crazy, verbal, and then turns to physical. So what would cause somebody in a marriage experiencing what I'll call normal marital tension to suddenly get to a point where they're willing to put their hands on their spouse? I can tell you what's happening. They're being triggered. They themselves were probably a product of abuse. They've not dealt with, and how many of you know what you don't deal with will repeat itself? One of the reasons you need to get whole is because you don't want your children dealing with the consequences of your undealt with hurts and wounds. And if you simply repress it and push it down, it's going to come out sooner or later. The answer is to get healed. Amen? How many know there's some people that you dread talking about with an issue. And you say, man, I really need to go and talk to them. Maybe, maybe I'll just make something up. Maybe, maybe your kid and their kid got in a little tiff and you're like, I need to talk to their parent and not a big deal, but I, but I won't be like, oh man, I don't want to go to them. Why? Because you're, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get, you're going to get walls of protection. And why, why, do, why do adults sometimes have almost impregnable walls? Is that a good word? Impregnant? No, no. Uh, you can't get through. Why? Okay. How do you know if you're a believer, you have God as your protector? Right? If, if you're an adult, you can call 911. But why, why do we sometimes act like a little kid needs to act to protect themselves 
Because sometimes there's a little kid in there who's still dealing with stuff that Jesus needs to heal. I'm going to try to hurt you this morning. My heart this Christmas would be that God would just, come on, do some healing in your life and in mine. Amen? Proverbs 12.1. The right attitude is, if you love learning, you love the discipline that goes with it. How short-sighted to refuse correction. So let me ask you, let's make this personal. How defensive do you get when someone approaches you? And I'm not talking about coming at you with a baton now. We all get, you know, to get defensive. I'm talking about somebody's just coming to you to talk about an issue. Something happened between your kids or just, just something they want to talk to. How defensive do you get and why? Number five, we're almost done. Jesus heals. He makes whole. Can I tell you that following Jesus is a journey to wholeness? Can I tell you, if, if this was me when I got saved at the beginning of the line, can I tell you the more I journey towards Jesus, the more whole I'm going to be, because can I tell you that Jesus is whole in every way? There's nothing broken in him. He is the ultimate whole one. Come on, somebody. And listen, you, sometimes you don't need someone broken to fix you. You need somebody who's whole to breathe their wholeness into you, and Jesus has that ability. Okay? Sometimes Christians don't understand that. They're moving towards Jesus. They're saying, you know, why is all this stuff coming up in, in my life? Why is all this stuff happening? I thought that serving Jesus was supposed to be full of peace. Well, what Jesus is doing, he's bringing stuff to the surface not to hurt you, but to get you to re oh, a place where you're like, Lord, I, I want this done. I, I'm, I didn't want to deal with this painful thing that happened, but Lord, I think I need to because it's affecting me in the here and now. Everybody understand that? And, you know, sometimes you can be going through life and all is well and, all is, and then all of a sudden, kaboom, Jesus said it's time and up it comes. I believe much of what we call as a midlife crisis is, is things being unearthed that you have, you have stuffed in your entire life. And buying a Corvette isn't the answer to that. Come on, somebody. It's dealing with the stuff. Amen? I'm grateful for the prayer counseling ministry that we have here that brings healing to so many. Amen? There was a woman in the Bible who had an issue of blood. Anybody remember, how, anybody remember how long she had that issue of blood when she went to Jesus? 12 years is correct, 12 years. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. There's a lot of Christians who hemorrhage emotional baggage. Finally, this woman said, enough. If, if I don't get healed, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. So she says, you know what? If I can but touch the hem of his garment, Jesus is going to do something. Can I tell you where to take your emotional pain and baggage? If you but touch the hem of his garment, I'm telling you, Jesus can do some healing. I believe that. Amen? I'll tell you a final story, and then we're going to open up these altars. So prior to me being the pastor here, I pastored a church in the inner city of Baltimore for six years, and the people that came to that church were, had been through much emotionally, much abuse, and there was one lady that attended, and she's given me permission to tell her story. Her name was Joy. She's now with the Lord, so she's not going to do it. She's not going to know if I did, but she already told me that I could. And Joyce, at that time, was the most abused person that I had ever met. She, her parents had had her later in life, and they, just, they didn't just say, hey, you were unexpected. I mean, it's one thing to say, I was that way. My parents were a little older. They said, hey, you were unexpected, but we love you. But to Joyce, they said, you're unexpected and you were unwanted. 
and she wore that label. She wasn't real physical, attractive, physically attractive, so she, she was bullied a lot. And um, at about eight or nine years old, she was molested by her uncle. And at 15 years of age, she went to this bridge with intentions of just throwing herself off. She said, man, I, I can't do anything right. Not born right, don't look right, just nothing goes right. I might as well just... And, and she just, in her mind, couldn't quite bring herself to do it. And she walked off the bridge. And as she's walking off the bridge... The devil's saying to her, Joyce, you can't do anything right. You're not born right. You don't look right. People abuse you. You can't even kill yourself right. I call them embedded lies. The enemy's good at taking abuse and embedding lies in us to get us to believe we're something different than we are. So I began working with Joyce, and we worked through the curses that her parents had put on her as an unwanted child. Um, we worked through the, the, the bullying. We worked through the molestation. She, had, she forgave her uncle. And we, we got to the bridge, and I said, Joyce, would you be willing to go to that memory on the bridge? I feel like the Lord wants to do something. So she, she, she didn't go there often, if at all, because of how painful it was. But she went there. And she was literally shaking, remembering how close she was to jumping. And I prayed in that moment. I said, Lord, would you show Joyce the truth about where you were that day? And tears began to flow out of Joyce's eyes. I'm like, Joyce, what are you seeing? What are you experiencing? Because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to get her into Jesus' arms, you know. And she said, I, I see that Jesus had his arms around me that day. And he didn't let me jump. And in one moment, Jesus transformed the most painful memory of her life. Because from that moment on, when, Jesus, when Joyce was having a bad day, guess where she'd go in her memory bank for encouragement? Yeah, where Jesus, he loved me. He had his arms around me. He kept me. Come on, somebody. Jesus is a mighty healer, and he wants his people whole. He wants his people whole. Would you bow your heads this morning, please? And I'm going to ask those of you who serve on our prayer team that are, that are normally here during the midpoint of our service to pray for the sick, would, would you come? Would you come, deacons, e-group leaders, those of you who've been cleared to pray, would you grab a bottle of oil and just get ready to pray? We need all of you up here, please. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Just get ready. Heads bowed, eye closed. First question I want to ask you is do you know that you know that you're right with God. Maybe you came today simply to watch uh, uh, your grandkids sing or a friend invited you because the kids were singing. I'm so glad you're here. But I believe the Lord brought you here because he wanted to speak to you. Because he wanted you to hear this message. Because he wants you to enter into the most glorious relationship in the world. And that's a relationship with the living God. And you can do that by opening your heart to the Jesus who came and died for you, took upon himself your sin. And Lord, I pray for someone here today. They need you, Lord. Would today be the day, even as they're in their seat right now, let them open the door of their heart and say, Jesus, come in. Would you move all over this place, Father? Would you birth your new life as only you can do it? Thank you for your faithfulness. Whether you just prayed that prayer, whether you need physical healing, 
whether you need emotional healing, I'm gonna ask you to come out of your seat and just come to one of these people and let them minister to you before. No shame in this place. Come on, if you have a need, get out of your seat and come. Let somebody minister to you. If there's more people than people praying, just wait behind. We'll get to you. We'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. The God who heals physical affliction. The God who heals emotional pain. The God who can take someone that's been through the most torturous of abuse and breathe your wholeness into them, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, as we move towards you. We move towards wholeness, God. Let us not be afraid of what you unearth, God, in this process, but teach us to bring it to you. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for your goodness. Would you stand with me, church? And would you do this before you go on your way? It's still pretty early. Would you just, just sing along or worship along or just lift your hands and just say, God, keep working in me, Lord. Keep, keep making me whole, Father. Continue your work in me, Lord. And minister to those around the altars today, Father.